light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoin. No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus, the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. Catholic.com with Tim Kilcoin. It is time, ladies and gentlemen. The moment has arrived to confront the enemy head on. Oh, how dare I use such harsh language, enemy, that suggests that there are some out there that, you know, it's said once that there are two kinds of people, those who believe there are two kinds of people and those who don't. Well, which one are you? As a Christian, We know there's a different kind of person out there, a very ungodly person, a person that does not like to live by the standards that God has set in motion by way of biblical standards. They live their life in anger. They live their life trying to force others to adopt their lifestyle so that they can sleep at night. These people don't want to debate the issues of their lifestyle They just want to force you to accept it, or you must be silenced, canceled, eliminated. I think we dealt with this in the first century of Christianity. It was called the gladiator games, and those others in the crowd, as they put their thumbs down to people getting eaten by lions. Uh, Let there be no doubt that such people are in our midst right now, in many different places throughout our land, but most especially out there in L.A. I usually like to take a little time to let the dust settle, the evil dust, after a cultural wicked episode, going back to the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus when an all-out blasphemy took place. Ladies and gentlemen, this particular issue of homosexuality has been around with us for quite some time. Do see the works of St. Peter Damien on this issue. I finished a movie just recently, Augustus, Peter O'Toole. Excellent movie. Talking about the decline of his Roman Empire. He was the first Roman emperor. Remember, Rome had been a republic, kind of like ours, where the people mattered. And then all of a sudden, emperors took the reign, and thus the gladiator games began. At the end of the movie, Augustus calls the Senate together, and he looks at them and says, all those who are single, please stand over here. All those who are married but no children, please stand with them. And then he addresses the married ones and said, well, it's great that you're married, but do you know who your children are? In other words, sexual immorality was the problem, and who has been exporting wickedness but Hollywood for how many decades now? The Roman emperors in our midst? Our living rooms have been violated for how long now? They are the primary instigators of the immorality of our day. It just took a while to escalate to points of true sacrilege and blasphemy. Peter O'Toole playing Augustus then adds to the lecture on the decline of the Roman Empire about to happen in their very midst from within. As he said, we will not be conquered by the barbarians on the outside. It will be the end of virtue within our citizenry that will usher in 
the final dagger on our empire. And this episode out in Los Angeles at a baseball game could be the final dagger. Hopefully it's the wake-up call. And to do it on the feast of the Sacred Heart of all days, the ultimate mockery, not to mention the mockery of our wonderful sisters who have dedicated lives of utter sacrifice all through America's history. If there's anybody that should be praised for the charitable works of both education, hospital work, social service of every variety, it has been our sisters who have been at the cornerstone of such charity, and yet they deserve to be mocked. Has anti-Catholic bigotry gone anywhere? I thought we left this in colonial days. And yet here it is on full display. I guess the better good silver lining is that it is indeed on display. It is no longer quiet and subtle and kind of hidden behind the scenes. No, this is in your face. And thus, we need a counter-offensive military strategy. A real practical denouncement of exactly what is outrageous blasphemy, sacrilege, and abomination to the Lord. To mock him directly the way they did, woe to them, is what our Lord would say. And to dare to subject our children to their lascivious, promiscuous, perverted lifestyle is nothing less than child abuse, ladies and gentlemen. That is exactly what it is, haters that they are. We're not the haters. We're Christian lovers. And we suggest that they turn to chastity and abstinence, which will at least save their life, which is the lifestyle that I must lead as a single, never married man of faith. I don't get a different playbook, ladies and gentlemen. As a heterosexual guy, one would probably suggest that I can have just a whole host of women by my side with no responsibilities. No, not a safe, healthy life. And the sacrifice, the opportunity for atonement, for the sins of the flesh, my dear people, for the Lord is huge as a single person in the Lord. And that's the key phrase, in the Lord. Because indeed, without the Lord and without a significant other called your wife, it's almost impossible to live the sacramental grace of the Catholic faith or the natural law. Even if you have no faith, it's still going to be mighty difficult, but it doesn't give you any entitled rights to forcing your lifestyle on anybody else. This is bigotry, and it needs to stop and stop quickly. Did anybody ever think about Let's say the woman that may not have been given the gift of physical attractiveness and she struggles terribly to have companionship in this life. I'll never forget my niece at 12 years of age telling me every woman has to look beautiful all the time. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I can't imagine that kind of pressure. That woman is called also to the same playbook, chastity, abstinence as sacrifice. Not to be angry with men for the rest of her life, but to offer up that suffering for the sins of others. This will give their lives not only peace, but indeed joy of knowing that your loss has been a huge gain. And this is the greatness of our Catholic Christian faith, which we invite all to come to. And all those of God-fearing faith, without question from the Judeo-Christian perspective, But even beyond, anybody of decency who cares about children, 
your own flesh and blood that you might have as a married person. You have to stand up at those school board committee meetings and oust the marauders. It is time to take back our country and our church, and it starts by standing up for the little ones who are being subjected to mayhem morally. But I do apologize to some of you because it didn't start with a baseball game. St. Peter Damien, one of the great saints of our Catholic Church history, addressed this issue a long time ago in an appropriately named book, The Book of Gomorrah. And he had a very interesting take on how it escalated. It's just like abortion. You don't start with abortion. You start with premarital sex and then a little contraception in between. There is the sin and then there is the ripple sins from it. This is how you move towards greater and greater heinous activity perverted against the laws of God. They escalate from smaller to greater. And his basic analysis is that it started with heterosexual promiscuity. The tolerance that we have had in our culture for, what, 50-plus years now? as usual, post-1965, for basically shacking up and cohabitating across the board and contraception being a given. And we, we get all troubled now that we have something like this in our face out in Los Angeles. No, you kind of reap what you sow. And it started with our silence regarding the very basic sexual mores that were intact in 1955 America. Leave it to Beaver and Ozzy and Harriet We're not pipe dreams. Grab any movie by Doris Day and see what it really was like in America 1955. It was a pretty good and holy and healthy place. And it's been a downward spiral pretty much morally ever since, as we went from two sexual diseases to about 32. So there should be no surprise to the average onlooker, but because of the numbness of accepting immoralities from school prayer ousted to abortion on demand to gay marriage, etc., and what's next, polygamy around the corner? I can only assume. Or something worse. When you look at the transhumanism agenda, you got to turn the page, and indeed, it needs to go backwards. We are a different people, ladies and gentlemen, from all previous generations. In this one regard, because of the internet and the technology at our disposal, and more importantly, the knowledge at our fingertips, and the historical perspective to be able to put whole civilizations in perspective, those civilizations couldn't have done that, but ours can. And we know what worked and what doesn't. In 1955 America, everything was working pretty well, not perfectly, but far superior to today. Make sure that we decide what kind of America we really want and what kind of church, because the church went with the liberal tide, just like everything else post-1965. So let's take a really hard look at all the good things that were working well in a prior time, and let's now call out from the housetops and oust all that we know over the last 50 years that has not worked. We know what doesn't work. Ousting prayer in public schools didn't work. Abortion on demand didn't work. Contraception and its mentality doesn't work. So let's take a good hard look now at what does work And it is indeed Ozzy and Harriet, the nuclear family, a loving mom and a loving dad with children, 
lots of them, being fruitful and multiplying, passing on the torch of truth, namely God, and all his commandments, not suggestions, from one generation to the next, unchanging, not going with the wind of the world, no zeitgeist, no feminism, no isms of any kind. Those hateful ideologies are exactly non-human, never mind Christian. It is time to confront and take on to the public square exactly all that is not human and of God. Justice will be his. And as Mother Angelica said, you better know which side you're on, ladies and gentlemen, because on one side, there isn't anything. But even worse, there are more than a few theologians that say hell is simply nothing. But unfortunately, it's a little bit more than that. It's fire, and it's pain, and it's your sins haunting you for all eternity. And in the words also of Father Jerry Murray, just remember one thing, God doesn't make mistakes. Male and female, he still creates them. And yes, indeed, he still loves them, but you've got to show acknowledgement of that love. And that doesn't include trying to force all of God's good people to adopt or accept your lifestyle. So in closing, I'd like to simply state official Catholic Church teaching as virtually nobody wants to go there, it seems, for decades. Right out of our catechism, the current second edition, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity, tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine affective and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, constitutes for them a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. This is what the church teaches, ladies and gentlemen, but we don't approve of the lifestyle. If it's acting out, these persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. Homosexual persons are called to chastity by the virtues of self-mastery that teach them inner freedom, at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace. They can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. So that is the teaching. God's teaching cannot change. We are not the Catholic Church of 2023. We are the Catholic Church of 2023 years unchanging which is exactly why we are here and all civilizations rose and fell. Let it be said for all time, the Catholic Church loves you more with special affinity by advocating for true chastity and abstinence so that they will not be hurt. This is love, not what the society is telling them. We want you to live fruitful lives in the Lord. So I suggest sincerely with all my heart that LGBTQ will only mean from this point on, tell a friend, let God be thanked quietly and listen to his voice of care and true compassion for you. Let's pause right there and we'll be back with Father William Casey's book, You Shall Stand Firm, Preserving the Faith in an Age of Apostasy. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. May I sing you a midsummer song, The Summer Wind, played by Dennis Soleil, with my horn chiming in. 
The summer wind came blowing in across the sea. It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me. All summer long, we sang a song and strolled the golden sand. Two sweethearts in the summer wind. Confidence with God and You Shall Stand Firm by Father William Casey. And he was talking in our last session about the importance of knowing the providence of God. What is the providence of God? He says, God did not bring you into the world to abandon you. He has a plan for your life that is going to end in eternal glory. He knows that plan, even if you do not. I am sure there will be some people reading this book who have worked hard all their lives and haven't got much to show for it, materially and financially. And we have all known good people for whom most everything in life seems to have gone wrong. From all external appearances, many lives play out like an endless series of setbacks, letdowns, heartaches, and failures. Every day, many hearts are weighed down by bitter regrets and memories they are unable to let go of. They live under the heavy burden of daily unrelenting anxiety and crushing discouragement that wears them down and often leaves their long-suffering souls vulnerable to many different kinds of temptation. This is precisely because the devil, the great predator that he is, knows our weaknesses better than we do and will always choose those times when we are spiritually, psychologically, and emotionally at our weakest to close in to tempt us. Such a state of soul will make it difficult to grow in love and union with God, who is always closest to us in the darkest hours of our lives. For this reason, the Apostle Peter wrote, Cast all your worries upon him because he cares for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. St. Philip Neri used to say that in a sense we often become the carpenters of our own crosses. So often this becomes the case when we fail to trust in God. I have often found that it is easy to trust in God when things in life seem to go well. It is far more virtuous and much more meritorious in the sight of Almighty God to trust in Him when they do not. We must repeat the words of our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane, My Father, not as I will, but as you will. I had an old friend who passed away several years ago. He had undoubtedly lived a very hard life. 
A great part of his personal problems emanated from the fact that he could never allow himself to move beyond the things which had gone wrong in his past. The family problems, the broken relationships he was never able to reconcile, the professional failures and financial losses, his constant anxiety in regard to keeping his small business alive, always agonizing about his past sins and agonizing about what might go wrong in the future. Being a man who had earnestly striven for success all his life, he began to delude himself with the belief that his personal and professional failures were a sign of divine disapproval. In his mind, such temporal misfortunes and moral struggles could only be a manifestation of having lost God's favor. Consequently, he was never at peace within himself. This is the malady of the soul that so often afflicts us when we are unable to live in the present moment in full and conscious awareness of God's presence and instead allow ourselves to become spiritually and psychologically bogged down by the shadows of our past and perpetually anxious about our future. One day I had a long walk with this fellow about his situation. I gave him a copy of what is, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful prayers for trust ever written. It is the act of trust of St. Claude de la Colombière. And I would add, ladies and gentlemen, this is the prayer for all of us over the last three years, where all seems to be in disarray in every dimension of life, it seems. Oh my God, I am certain that you watch over those who hope in you, and that when we rely on you for everything, we can lack for nothing. That I am determined to live in the future without worry, casting all my cares upon you. Men may strip me of my honor. Illness may take away my strength and the means of serving you. I may even lose your grace through sin, but I shall never lose hope. I shall keep it until the last moment of my life when the efforts of all the devils in hell to take it from me would be in vain. Others may hope for happiness from their riches or from their talents. They may rely on their purity of life, on the severity of their penances, on the alms that they have given, or the fervor of their prayers. For my part, Lord, my trust is in my trust. I'm thinking to the very last moments of my mom's life here a few years ago, and I had my forehead to hers, and I just kept on saying to her, Jesus and Mary, I trust in you. Jesus and Mary, I trust in you. Jesus and Mary, I trust in you. In the end, ladies and gentlemen, it's all we have. It's everything that we have, and yet we make it unbelievably complicated by refusing to utter those words of surrender and acknowledgement of one's complete vulnerability to God Almighty's mercy upon us. And that's all that Father Casey is trying to call to mind here, that if we trust, then we'll make those leaps of faith that are so necessary, rather than wallow in the mire of our sins and anger and failings, just give it up. <laughs> That's the, that is the key to life. Is it not? Father Casey goes on. A couple of months after I had given my friend this prayer, I drove over to his office to meet him for lunch. When I walked into his office, I immediately noticed that he had the act of trust prayer mounted in a picture frame on the wall behind his desk. He told me that he had offered that prayer every day since I shared it with him, and he said that he found this prayer so powerful that it truly changed both his life and his outlook on life. That simple prayer for trust by the grace of God gave him a kind of inner peace and serenity which had escaped him all his life. Great things happen when we place our confidence in God. Confidence in God is a recurring theme in the writings of the saints 
who were the great masters of the interior life, and he lists several of these, St. Augustine, St. Bernard of Clairvaux. I love this one. He says, All things upon which you set your trust are yours. Do but expect much of God, and he will do much for you. Expect but little, and he will do little. He has St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, St. Francis de Sales, and then St. Therese of Lisieux, I, I read. Everything is a grace because through them you learn humility and realize weakness. Everything is a grace because everything is God's gift. Whatever be the character of life or its unexpected events, to the heart that loves, all is well. And St. Padre Pio, pray, hope, and don't worry. Anxiety will not help at all. Trust in the infinite goodness of God. And I'll just quickly finish with a story I heard by Father Chris Allaire, a Marian out there in Stockbridge. And he was talking about St. Faustina, and there were difficulties in the convent. Oh, yes, in that house, too. Nuns that don't like each other. Yes, indeed, it happens. And our Lord was getting fed up with the situation, and he said he was going to leave the tabernacle. And so he began to leave. The Eucharist came out of the tabernacle, and St. Faustina brought the Eucharist right back into the tabernacle. And this went on two and three times, and then the Eucharist became Jesus. And I, he said he was leaving, and she said, no, you're not. <laughs> and, he, and she kind of pushed him back into the tabernacle. I swear, ladies and gentlemen, this is the story, and it is true. These mystical experiences happen. But can you imagine the kind of relationship St. Faustina had to have had with God to be telling God what to do? Well, that's abundant grace, and we can only pray for it for sure. Right here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. Can we say... Go Red Sox and enjoy the ball game with all the family. Have a great week, everyone. Let your light shine. That is what it's all about here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, my number is 877-625-3727. Tim Kilcoin, TalkCatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us, your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless. <laughs>